Hello and welcome to the Morning Ski Podcast. Um, this is Matt coming in with a brief intro. So uh, this, what you are about to listen to, is the first of eight uh, season preview podcasts, which will be basically just summer uh, stitching together DJ's uh, work that's been published over on Pucklock um, on their YouTube channel. Uh, basically, we're just taking the audio files uh, for four teams at a time stringing them together and uh, repackaging as a podcast. So this will come, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Monday uh, leading up to opening night on next Tuesday. Um, Meaning that basically if you want to uh, have a sort of bite-sized 30 to 40-ish minute podcast, depending on how long DJ's videos are, um, it should be relatively easy to sort of knock that out as you prepare for the regular season. Um, obviously, DJ's uh, covering every team from every angle. So, you know, if, if they're not long, of course, they're not going super deep on every player. Um, but it's the big news. It's some key bets, some key players to watch for in fantasy. Um, and just generally, you know, some of his thoughts. So um, I urge you to check them out if you already have listened to the Puck Luck or watched the Puck Luck videos. You can obviously skip uh, skip these and watch them as they drop on the Puck Luck YouTube channel, uh, but just figured this was a different way to get people uh, engaged with DJ's uh, content and uh, might be useful for some people who've been maybe out of the loop and not uh, obsessively drafting 150 best Puck Classic teams, for instance. Um, so anyway, check them out. Uh, make make some bets um, alongside DJ if you want, you know, covering player props and team totals and stuff like that, playoff props. Um, and we will see you all uh, very shortly for not only the the last underdog Best Puck Classic live stream on Tuesday at 9 Eastern, but also a true season preview podcast where DJ and I will sort of preview the season to come and talk about some stuff. You can expect that sometime next week. So uh, here we go. With no further ado, here is DJ. installation of the betting and fantasy team previews for your Anaheim Ducks. We are looking at a team that last year finished at last. There's a lot of young talent on this team and a lot of new faces that could hopefully bring some optimism to an otherwise uh, fan base that should probably be looking forward to 2024, 2025. Um, just not quite going to be there yet. But again, could it be worse than last year? They finished at last with 58 points. They weren't rewarded with Connor Bedard. They ended up going with Bill Carlson. They pick up some, you know, decent names in the offseason that should add at least an element to this roster um, that they didn't have last year in a couple different respects. But this was the worst defensive team by a pretty large margin. And I can't imagine they're going to get infinitely better in that category with these additions. Uh, while it should help in some capacity, it's definitely not going to write all of the ships. Um, yeah, no, not, not a good team. Um, but let's kind of get into what next year could look like. So we look at the pucklock.com point projection at 69, which would be a very large, um, you know, 11 point swing in the right direction. While that sounds well and dandy, um, that still leaves them 20 plus points probably out of the playoffs if they hit that projection. 
with you know the floor being 51 and the ceiling being 79 none of those sound good to me for them again making the playoffs so i'm expecting this to be a pretty bad year again for the ducks i think this is accurate but i almost shade under our projection myself um the goaltending i don't think it's going to be very good the you know the defense while improved would need to be quite a bit better for them to really uh, hold the stick to many of the teams in their division um, so, yeah, I think that this is just going to be probably not great for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, just uh, We're going to look at the odds per DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, they have them at 67 and a half points, so you might be saying, so do I bet the over? I say no. At minus 115, to lock up any amount of money for an entire season on the Anaheim Ducks being good feels pretty thin to, again, egregious. I just don't really know why you would do that. Um, for such a micro, micro edge, which, again, I don't even know if I fully believe is accurate. Um, the odds to win the Stanley Cup has them at 250 to 1. It's just insane. I mean, we have that 1,000 to 1. It's just unbettable to win a division, I mean, get a life. And to make the playoffs, it's like, okay, I guess that's where Puck Luck is saying, hey, maybe, maybe you know, better than 17 to 1, 11 to 1. And about the NN Ducks to make the freaking playoffs. I mean, no, you're not, unless if you're – out of your board. So overall, nothing to bet here, in my opinion, at all. Just uh, bathe all of this. Don't even look at it again. We'll be happy you did so. Um, so uh, we're going to shift over to some player point projections. The only player point projection that even exists on the sports book is, is uh, Trevor Zegras, which we have at 83 as his absolute peak, and 53 as more of a projectable point total. He's very conveniently priced at 67.5, which was very easy to remember, considering that's their actual team point total. Yeah, I think the unders in play. I mean, anything could go wrong as far as, you know, an injury that could derail him, and we already have a projectable under, so it's bettable. But, again, are you really going to lock up a ton of money on a point total under that feels, you know, fine? You can. It's up to you. Uh, couldn't find anyone else. I think the most interesting note on this sheet in general is just kind of the peak and valley of Jamie Drysdale that our model just thinks that there's still a massive, massive ceiling on this guy. And I tend to agree that there is. Uh, I think it's getting a little out of hand here, but I do think he's at least an interesting guy to keep an eye on, especially in like home leagues where, you know, he might go undrafted or not drafted very often at all. Um, definitely keep an eye on him and maybe even in best block. Take a look at their whole roster and the line, projected lines. Adam Henrique with Seagrass and Strom, bit of last year. Again, trying to maybe boost the stock of Henrique and Strom, who could get traded this all, you know, during that offseason, during the season. Um, they go with Mason McTavish and Troy Terry again with Kalorn. Might boost the stock in Mason McTavish if in training camp he's with Troy Terry, especially in the best box space. I just think that, like, if you're taking Mason McTavish uh, over guys like, you know, Brock Nelson and et cetera, you're kind of just, you know, taking a, a, a correlation that isn't actually a better play. So I really think Terry and Zegras are the only viable best buck options. Um, maybe in deeper leagues, McTavish can fit into the, you know, into your into your uh, roster in general. Uh, probably about it. Um, on defense, like I already mentioned, Jamie Drysdale, Owen Zellweger is just not probably there yet. Really, 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 really gifted offensive prospect, but I just don't think it's his time quite yet. Labushkin, Vakanainen, and Gudis will help the decor in general. It'll help their penalty kill, but really, other than adding a little bit of, of, of prowess defensively, they don't think much to this team in general. And in that, Gibson, I think, will start to lose more and more starts to Dostal. And I, I frankly think he'll get traded by the end of, uh, you know, by the trade deadline. Um, with all that being said, I'm trying to get a quote from anyone in the media. Um, that will just give me a little something about what they think our model could be missing around this team. And I went to Derek Lee over 
at uh, sports, sports trip, sporting trip. Um, I was in Ducks, definitely gave him a follow. I'll be linking that in the uh, video when I post it on Twitter. So he really thinks that the addition of Kalorn and Gudis and adding some more proven veterans with leadership will help Zegris and Jordan Terry. And I kind of you know, made it seem like, you know, not only offensively, but in all aspects of the game, more or less. And I think that's really, really astute and a really good point to make. Um, you don't want to learn too many bad traits playing on unbelievably bad teams with very, very bad defensive overall, you know, metrics, because you're going to learn some pretty bad tendencies and, you know, losing that often, as we've seen in the past with teams like the Sabres, you know, you kind of got to cut bait with everyone at some point because that, that mentality is just not something you want to fit into your lineup. And while Troy Terry becoming a better defensive player because of playing without scoring might not seem like it'd pay any fantasy dividends, kind of think it does because if you can break the puck out better if you can you know remove the puck from your defensive zone and move it to the offensive zone i think that helps you offensively more than maybe people will, will consider so yeah i'm totally down with his take uh, on this veteran leadership maybe actually being a bit bigger of an impact than the model will predict aging curve will hurt Kalorn and hurt Udas, but that's really not everything for the players around them you know it's not like their aging curve automatically hurts troy terry and Trevor egress could help them so I like the take, and it definitely, you know, might give them a, a bit more of a shade in the right direction than a model will predict. So we'll be back with the Arizona Coyotes next, hoping to have a few more bets for you, as this one kind of didn't really give, give you much to uh, sink your teeth into. But we'll see you next time. Welcome back to the second iteration of the PuckLuck.com betting and fantasy team previews for the Arizona Coyotes. We look at a team that last year finished with 70 points, with six worst in the league, and yet I'd still say exceeded expectations. Um, you know, not only as far as staying out of the absolute basement of the league, but also a lot of their players and and players that maybe you didn't even expect. Uh, of course, Clayton Keller, 86 points in 82 games, was the all-star, the highlight. Nick Schmaltz, probably forgotten about by many, was nearly a point a game at 58 and 63. But Yusuf Alamaki was maybe maybe the biggest bright spot unexpectedly to, to come to this team, getting completely abandoned, forgotten about by the team that took him very early in the first round in Vancouver and just kind of showed up and played a very useful power play role. Uh, maybe not a great shot producer, but a very, very good distributor of the puck. And Barrett Hayton, who silently almost had 20 goals. Um, again, it was a very fun team, but... Let's get into more of the betting side of things and see, you know, kind of going forward what they could be next year. Um, as I mentioned, they finished with 70 points last year and we have them projected for 71, uh, the biggest improvement in the world. But again, um, I think it says something to the, you know, the model thinking that they actually have improved from what, it, uh, you know, anyone would have thought last year. A team that still is going to be very much on the outside looking in when it comes to the playoffs. But I don't really think they're as close to the floor as the model is kind of giving a pretty wide range of outcomes. 53 would be unbelievably low. 80 at the ceiling would be an incredibly successful season, I think. But yeah, I think that 71 is fair, but I almost shade a bit over what our model thinks. Uh, other than, you know, the last time with the Ducks, I thought it might be a little bit yeah, more forgiving to the Ducks. Uh, I think this is, you know, I think this is a good team, uh, at least a fun team, but a, a team that might have more, you know, fantasy relevance. Um, last year, it kind of felt like people were late to the punch and kind of maybe missed a lot of the potential Arizona one, um, you know, correlations in daily fantasy. But this is still a team getting over to the DraftKings uh, sportsbook kind of odds that it's very unlikely to make the playoffs, very unlikely to win the division and 
even more unlikely to win the cup. Our model doesn't really like any bets. It thinks all of them are priced pretty incorrectly. Uh, you'll find for a lot of these bottom of the barrel teams, the Stanley Cup odds are just not even close. Just, you know, the sports books will take your money if you're going to give it to them. If you're a big fan, they'll say, hey, give, put $10 on them. We'll keep it. Um, you know, 250 to 1 is just still not even close to what a model would predict. Division as well, we have them closer to, you know, 330 to 1 rather than their, uh, you know, 200 to 1. And the over under on points, um, yeah, it's 73 and a half for the sports books. We shade the under. I think it's still just kind of a shade. And I think it's, you know, that's about fair for what they could get to. Uh, I still plan on betting it. Playoffs was honestly the one I was the most interested in. Uh, and again, our, uh, it just wasn't enough. I shopped it a little bit. Plus 750 on DraftKings is much better than FanDuel, and it's still just not very good. I think the point projections is where you're actually going to find something um, in the sports books. Now, there wasn't a ton of offerings. Maybe we'll get more as the season draws closer. Um, I think a lot of people might take a look at Logan Cooley, maybe Barrett Hayton as well, just kind of these younger guys who might have bigger roles. Um, Jason Zucker comes over to this team, maybe adds a little bit more to their top six. I'm certainly myself looking at Nick Schmoltz, who I will be absolutely hammering wherever I can find him for points. Um, probably goals as well, just thinking how good Clayton Keller actually is at hockey that is going to, you know, kind of service him as well. You know, those two are going to be kind of tied at the hip and I love that. I think they're both really good. I think Gabby Keller is the play driver here, but I'll take it all day. And then way at the end here, um, all the way to your right, is Sean Jersey, who we are projected to be the first power play on a pretty good unit with a lot of stuff, like young stars in the making and stars that already arrived with Clayton Keller. So, yeah, I think this is a team that could produce offense, not at the craziest rate in the world, but better than probably many are going to give them credit for. So looking at the lineup, can't imagine they split up the Keller, Hayton, Schmoltz unit. That unit rocked last year. It became a very fun DFS play, especially at lower ownership, which wasn't always that because people actually were starting to play it. Um, Logan Cooley, Gunther, and Zucker. I, you know, obviously you can make some movements. I mean, Lawson Krause back to back 20 plus goal years. Maybe he slides up the lineup here or there, but you know, if they bring in Jason Zucker to play, probably with some of these younger guys and teach him the ropes we kind of talked about with the Ducks. This kind of makes sense to me. Defense is really where I think they've improved the most. I'm a big J.J. Moser fan. I think he's a pretty good player, at least you know, better than maybe many give him credit for. And I think if he plays with Jersey or Dumbo, you can kind of mix him between the two. But especially with Jersey, I think it would be a really nice improvement for him. Um, Stutcher and Dermott also pretty gifted offensively. So I don't really find a lot of, you know, I guess completely dead weight here. Maybe there's some, but not an insane amount. This is a pretty... Mediocre team, as I mentioned, but they're not absolutely terrible. Um, so, again, we went to the media and just trying to get a, a quote. I went to Mike Gold. Uh, definitely someone you should give a follow. I'm going to definitely link him again. Mike T. Gold on Twitter, at Mike T. Gold. Um, so I'm not going to read it word for word exactly. But, again, we're asking for something our model might be missing. And what he went over is that Arizona had recently been a very favorable place for defensemen to reestablish or establish themselves. I already mentioned this for use of Alamaki. He also brings up Shane Gossespierre. It all makes sense to me, you know, especially these offensive gifted players, giving them that kind of role where they can flourish. You know, it makes enough sense, but I mean, even more so than anyone may have imagined. Um, so he highlights Matt Dumba. That's sort of the, you know, the, the curve in his career is uh, starting to hit the other side and would need that reemergence to kind of reestablish himself as at one time a pretty usable asset to you know, wanted him all that pad here in the free agency. And of course, as I already mentioned it, and he mentions it, Sean Jersey as well. I mean, a guy that actually is kind of on the up and up. I think personally that Jersey's going to win most of that ice time and win that power play, but it could go either way. 
and just saying like these guys will be playing on the power play with Keller, Schmoltz, and Logan Cooley, which I agree with. It's a very, very good spot to be in. You know, add Barrett Hayden for me in that mix. You add Jersey or Dumba. I think it's Jersey, but you could definitely convince me either way. You're talking about a pretty good power play unit, and you're talking about again a very usable fantasy asset and a guy that you may be able to find at some crazy sports books. Why not, right? I think that's something you could sprinkle in. I have no idea what you'd find for Sean Dersey over under on points. But again, leave it below this video. Uh, these are eventually given YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube at this time, leave it in the comments. Uh, if you find any of these odds and you want me to take a look at them or you know grab it for the model. But yeah, no, that's going to do it for here for the Arizona Coyotes. We'll be back with the Boston Bruins next. Thank you for watching. Hello and welcome back to the PuckLuck.com betting and fantasy team previews show for the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins not only won the President's Trophy with the best record in hockey last season, but also set the NHL record for the best record in NHL history. They were the second team to do it in like five years. Both teams, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Boston Bruins, died in the first round of the playoffs in dramatic fashion. Uh, Tampa Bay got swept, Boston lost at home in seven. So that's sour taste in a lot of Bruins fans' mouth, and I'm sure they don't need to relive or rehash that very, very sad playoff performance. Um, but as a Sabres fan, I, I have to just take one last drive at you guys. Uh, we haven't seen the playoffs in 12 years. It's all I have. But I do think this Bruins team may be on a bit of a surprise tour this year. Um, last year, no one predicted them to be as good as they were. This year, again, people are incredibly low. It kind of feels like we need a new, sexy, fun team to make the playoffs. The Bruins kind of feel like the team you take out. And I think that could be a mistake. Uh, this is a team we project for 115 points, which is um, still would have won President Trophy last season. Uh, 113 was the next closest. So a team that we're projecting to have 20 points less would still have 115 and have won the President's Trophy last year. Yeah, it, it's pretty staggering when you put the numbers out there. Um, I think that 115 is a bit high. You know, 119 ceiling, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of saying like, yeah, you know, probably not going much higher than 115. Uh, could could probably be a bit lower. And I think that, you know, closer to, to that floor is – in range but even if they are in range with that floor at 97 it's about what the sports books have at 101.5 as they're over under so we're kind of smashing that over at puckbuck.com it's the first real big like here you go great bet that um exists so far as far as any of the sports books for a team are concerned yeah i'm not touching the stanley cup odd i know it's a small uh actually it's not even an edge is it no so uh, once again, the Stanley Cup is bad. Um, division, I still think this is just too tough of a division to really want to mess around with. So I'm bowing out personally, um, betting the Atlantic, um, probably in general. I just think that most of these bets are going to come back pretty poorly, but we'll get to those teams. And the playoffs, yeah, it's an edge, but I think the point total is just a better edge. Uh, we have it projected for 81% of the time over. I tend to think it's closer to maybe 65, 70, even maybe that 70 mark. But you take that 70, 75 mark, definitely, when it comes to these kind of odds. Um, and that's projecting them to have almost you know 34 points less. So with that, we kind of get to why they might actually be better than you expect. And that's really David Pasternak, who we're projecting for 109 points. And that's another bet that I'm just in on going into next year. I think he is just a great player that I'm very, very interested in You know everything. And he played 
um, minutes with Krejci and Bergeron, of course. I, I, everyone that was worth a lick of salt did. But I don't think that – like uh, I, I think it's a, a huge loss, and it's, he's going to suffer a little bit. But I still think Pasternak kind of drives the bus here, and he'll continue to drive the bus with whoever they put out there with him. Um, and he's pretty much just a, a bit of a unicorn of a player. So I'm high on Pasternak. I'm putting him in some underdog slips. I'm putting him in um, some point total bets. And Pablo Zalka, if you can find it, like that 50 total feels low to me if he plays with Pasternak. I think it'll be a bit higher than that myself, but I get that he hasn't shown it at all. So how did the model say he's going to go and jump much higher than 50, which seems pretty good. So um, if you look at the lines, though, if you're putting Zaka with Pasternak at five on five, which I do expect, Think that's why you start looking at Zaka as a draftable asset in many formats, all formats really. Um, I'll be kind of keeping him on my sleeper list. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how unique it's going to be as a sleeper, but I feel like I'm one of the first to the call here. Uh, he's a good rate shooter, he has an incredibly high prospect pedigree. He's playing with freaking David Pasternak, so I'm really high on him. Um, I don't think we need to say too much on Marchand and Nebrusk. While should drop a little bit, not playing with Bergeron, who was their center primarily last year, I still think they'll be okay question is who's going to fill that other you know that center spot with them um tough to know is jvr going to fill the other wing spot it's tough to know so that is where it gets pretty dicey the defense it don't need to say much about how good mcavoy greslick lindholm and carlo are that's two guys that at one point were you know in the norris watch list probably uh mcavoy missed some time last year should be a full health this year and the goaltending duo of um Olmark and swayman is really just quite out of this world uh, again, don't think I need to say too much about how great that is. Um, we were lucky enough to find someone who would grace us with their uh, really, and I really love this take, and I think it's a really interesting conversation. Uh, I asked around a whole bunch. Jay Wen Puckluck went out and got a quote from Ian McLaren. Definitely give Ian C. McLaren a follow. I did myself. I'm really excited to see what he has in the betting space. Um, would love to touch base more up with him. Um, but he talked about a player that stands out to me is working geeky. He's going to have a prime opportunity to shine as a third line center and possibly in a top six role of Charlie Coyle as, well, if, you know, as, or if I guess Charlie Coyle seems to be better suited for third line duties. Geeky signed with the Bruins to get more playing time. Um, he's put up really great rate stats, which I totally agree with in Seattle in a limited role. If he breaks out, um, the Bruins would be a much better place for it. It's a big body. He has a great shot. And I think that is a guy you're going to keep an eye on in DFS. You're going to keep an eye on in sort of uh, the community, like, you know, small slates on underdog when you're drafting, like, this is a guy that could bump in and, and take over that first line center role with Marshan and DeBrusque. I'm interested. And anyone that's playing well is probably going to see time with DeBrusque, Osternock, and Marshan. That those are very valuable minutes. So I'm interested in seeing Morgan Geeky. I don't think he's going to see much of a power play role, which is that you know the knock and the reason why he's really not season long draftable or best puck draftable. But I do think he's still like a, a very much a keep an eye on type of player going into the season. Um, if the race stats are there, if the minutes are there, and he catches a bit of that Bruins magic, who knows what could happen with a guy like Morgan Geeky. Um, the other question mark is who's going to take that left wing spot with Zaka and Pasternak. If it's JVR, I think you might want to be looking at him on waivers in some of your drafts because this is a guy that has a lot of uh, you know finishing ability. So I'm excited to see what this Bruins team can do. Um, some of the best goaltending in the league, bar none. I would say maybe the best defensive unit uh, of the top four in the NHL. And they still have some really good forwards, and yet everyone's kind of taking them out of the playoff race. And while I said I'm a Sabres fan, and I'd love nothing more than to see the Sabres take over um, the Atlantic Division, I don't think the Bruins are quite done yet. So I'm still projecting the Bruins 
you know, over that 101 points. And I'm definitely looking at Pasternak and Zaka for point total overs. And we will get back to you with my favorite, the Buffalo Sabres, where I will give an unbiased model predicted opinion. Not my own, but a little bit of my own. Next time. Welcome back to the PuckLuck.com betting and fantasy team previews for the Buffalo Sabres. The moment we've all been waiting for. We get to talk about last year's Cinderella Sabres, the team that just could not quite squeak into the playoffs at 90, uh, 91 points. They missed by, yeah, one point. Just kind of had to double check that on my phone. One regulation went away from hobbling Florida, who I went on to make the Stanley Cup finals. I'm not bitter. I'm not thinking about it every day. You are. I am just excited to see what the Sabres seem to be going forward. And I know I'm a fan of the team, so we're going to look at the model. We're not going to let my biases get in the way, whether it be positive or negative. What we should say before we get started is that this is going to be a very fun team, a team that is definitely not getting overlooked anymore in fantasy circles, and a team that has a chance to break the longest active drought for a major sports franchise in playoff droughts. It's just been a long, long time coming, and I just could not be more excited to see what my Sabres can do. And that is projected 95 points. 95 points is very likely to make the playoffs, as I just mentioned. They had 91 last year. They missed by one point. That puts you, you know, around that 92 mark. You could uh, potentially get you in. I think it could be higher next year. So 95 could be right on the line. The one thing you might be noticing is that ceiling is just uh, much closer to the projection than before. I think there's a, just a massive bottom out potential, and that is really in that. I don't think I need to get, you know, too deep into the weeds. I'm very high on Devin Levi. I'm very excited to watch him play. Don't think it takes uh, too many thoughts to get to the point of what if this goalie that's fairly played in the NHL could not quite get it done. And I think he will, right? That's my, but that's a biased opinion. A non-biased opinion, like our model is trying to show us, is that the floor is just very, very low. Um, unproven goaltending, young team, very, very young team. So it, it's going to be a great, you know, great story, a lot of fun to watch. And Let's talk about the betting side of it, though. Um, you know, not going to bet the Stanley Cup, uh, maybe it's just uh, five dollars because I hate myself. But not giving that as a, 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 any financial advice. Uh, not a very good bet, but not terrible. It's not the worst bet in the world either. Um, division, again, not really for me. Uh, plus nine hundred just really isn't enough in this Atlantic. I just don't really think they have the horses to beat the Bruins, um, the Maple Leafs. Really, probably still Tampa or Florida. It's going to be kind of a mix between those. Um, and the playoffs in general, like I just think if you're going to be betting them at minus one twenty to make the playoffs, creating better odds on them over ninety two and a half, which is, you know, like I said, I think if they get that ninety three mark, that's probably playoffs. And ninety two could miss next year. I know I made it last year on the nose, but I think you're just taking that over on regular season points if you're going to take anything here. Not the biggest edge in the world for the model, or really in my own opinion, but I bet it because I'm a, I'm a degenerate, <laughs> so I think it's totally fine. Uh, but not the biggest, you know, best bet. Uh, I think where you really find your best bets on the Sabres are within these better points because of how high these ceilings are. And if you take a guy like Paige Thompson as a catalyst and you go to underdog, maybe even both prize picks or whatever other site you use, um, and you get season-long totals, well, they also have Alex Tuck. And um, I would be more than happy to grab Jeff Skinner as well if he mixes in here. But any of those three, in you know, all three together, or, or two, or whoever you want to do it, I'm in on, and, and I think that that's probably the sharpest way to make money. I think that, you know, the rest of this is a bit predicant on, you know, a lot of other things kind of going right. So 
I'm pretty high on that. I, I don't know if you're going to find totals for a lot of these other guys uh, down the line, maybe Darlene, and you can mix him in, but I think it's pretty thin to think that he's going to go from what he did last year and replicate or do better. So I would rather just go with that top line myself and then take a look for a guy like Paterka if I can find it anywhere. Um, but these point totals are kind of, you know, in correlation with the rejected lineup, uh, which we're going to get to now. Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, all together should be all powerfully correlated. Um, you know, a lot of good DFS value, a lot of good drafting value in best class, and all of them have a lot of merit in your season-long drafts. Um, Dylan Cousins is no longer a secret in any format. You know, he's a you know, kind of one of those guys that you look at in fantasy circles as, man, this is the right aging curve. This is the right kind of player, the right profile, the, the right opportunity to take even a bigger jump than he did last year. Um, so I'm really high on him again. You never know with these young players. Like they could take a jump one year and they could fall back the next. So it's not perfect science, but definitely has a, a very high ceiling. Um, and, and that just goes with his line mates who started off with JK Paterka and, and Casey's uh, middle side, which I'm going to touch on a little bit more uh, once I get to our media quote. Um, the bottom six, you can interchange a bit, you know, Krebs and Yost, but all of that to say, I'm really excited to see Jordan Greenway a full offseason of being healthy, um, what he can do for the Buffalo Sabres as far as killing penalties, being a bit of a power forward. Uh, hitting hopefully a little bit more with uh, full health. The defense, uh, I love the addition of Clifton mainly here. I don't think Eric Johnson, I'm a bit here nor there, and I like the veteran presence, I guess, but whatever. Uh, Clifton, I think, is going to be a really, really, really big addition to that penalty kill. He's going to help uh, alleviate some of Owen Power's, uh, you know, short sightedness. You know, there's, there's things that young defensemen at the age of 19 and 20 just don't do well, and that is make quick decisions of the puck on in the defensive zone. And I think that Kip Clifton can help kind of uh, contribute to taking some of that pressure off of Owen Power and letting him hopefully be able to use the skills he has to his advantage, which are aplenty. Um, in that, I've already talked about the question mark, and so does our media quote coming from at Jared Holt. And you can follow him, the Charging Buffalo. I do some work with him. What about, you know, like something I consider a friend in the space. You know, I absolutely love Jared, and we're one of the sharper guys as well around. So um, he kind of you know starts off by saying that we gotta kind of be a five and definitely by and I think you just kinda of have to when you're projecting the Sabres. Just if you put your biases in Devin Levi and you project him to be, you know, you know, more than he's uh you know, it's like you can't do it. So if you're putting it by Devin Levi as well, because it's really hard to do, it really comes down to the second line. Quinn is likely out till December. So it looks like Middlestad will be up with cousins and Paterka. And I think Jacqueline also rejected there myself, but he'll be out for a while. So looking at the model, a bit of middle that jumps out to him. Um, the floor of 52 and the ceiling of 85 is pretty large, but I think that could be the difference if this team is a playoff team or not. So Middlestad had a great finish last year. Really, really, I think just go to like assists. And you just look at last year and Middlestad did not too far down the line to where you're like, whoa, this guy is actually quite a contributor. Um, he just says, you know, basically Middlestad on that line. Is one player that you know keep an eye on, and that also kind of goes with Paterka, who the model is pretty low on. Um, okay. let me just go back here. Paterka, we have a 29 to 48, which is pretty low. Uh, I know it's not power play, and, and he hasn't really done much, but I think the model is also very low on him, so he has really seen him to point that out. And uh, you know, we'll see what they can do together. Paterka, Cousins, and Middlestad, and just kind of thing like this is this is what gets the team into the playoffs is the second line. So, goaltending's good. If that second line can catch fire and Jack Quinn can come back and be a major contributor, I mean, this guy's living for this Buffalo Sabres team. It doesn't happen. Goaltending's a mess. They don't get the top line scoring that they, you know, is above a bit of that projection. 
might be looking at our golf clubs again at the end of April. So I'm really excited about the bubble receiver team. And the model also thinks it's a projectable bet. I think you can definitely parlay things together in um, on your underdogs and whatnot. And I think if I had to pick one thing, I just would look for Jeff Skinner for a point total. I think it's going to be much lower than we're projecting myself. And those would be my bets for the Buffalo Sabres. Go Sabres. I can't wait to be right here at the Bank Center this season with all of my friends watching this team end a playoff drought. I surely hope I'll be with you next time for the Calgary Flames.